Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network the Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Hello again and welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host Brian Wayne and this is episode 60. These are the books that released were released on 1225 2019 Christmas Day. So more than likely you didn't pick up your books on the 25th cuz more than likely your stores weren't open. So I guess more accurately these would be the books released on the 26th of December. Regardless, this this is what we're talking about this week. Um now Full disclosure, this is a spoiler-based podcast. There will be timestamps in the description. If there's something that you're not quite ready to, to have spoiled for you yet, I still keep a lot to the imagination, but at the same time, I like to give a whole over, overview of the book, and that usually involves spoiling some stuff. Uh, another thing you should be aware of, I have a potty mouth. So if you've got sensitive ears, you're probably you're going to be a little cringy. Um, so, yeah, you've been warned there. This is definitely a not-safe-for-work podcast. Beyond all that, uh, I'm ready to talk fucking comic books. Uh, normally I start out with some news. Couldn't really find anything relevant to talk about. Every single news article that came up involved someone's input on incoming, and you'll have my input on incoming eventually throughout this. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's just get on to some overviews. Starting out with Marvel this week. Um, now, uh, I guess before I jump into this, I do have to, to remind you, I'm sure you're well aware, uh, there wasn't a lot that came out last week. However, the week before, there was a fuck ton. So, in order to make sure I didn't have one three-hour podcast and one 12-minute podcast, I kind of slid some stuff over from the previous week to fill in some gaps and create two very balanced shows. So, Yes, some of the stuff that I talked about, or I will be talking about, did come out on the 18th, and you're just going to have to deal with it. So let's start out with, uh, well, we're going to talk a whole lot of X-Books. We're going to start out with Marauders, number four. This is Jerry Duggan, Lucas Wernick, and Federico Blee, covered by Russell Dalterman and Matthew Wilson. Um, well, <laughs> I had to do some back reading on this to catch up, so I read three and four back to back, and 
Um, I, I'm back on Marauders. I thought number issue one was the strongest of the six X books that came out. Issue two just kind of took a real step back for me for some reason, and it was just because it was explaining a whole lot of stuff that I have nothing, uh, no idea about. But now that that stuff has been explained, and uh, we're at issue four, and this is probably once again my top X book. So let's let's get into this. We've got Kate Bishop, Captain Kate Bishop. She's trying to convince, not Kate Bishop. Um, yeah, I guess so. Well, she's trying to convince Bishop. No, Kate Pride. Jesus Christ. Trying to convince Bishop. There we go. To be the Bishop. Isn't this all confusing? It is. So, this is exactly what's what Hickman's trying to do to this, though. There's a spot open uh, in the whole... Uh, What's-her-face? Hellfire Club. That's what it is. Which is now considered the Hellfire Corporation. Because they're not criminals there anymore. They're a part of the... The, um, the, the, the council, the ex-council, uh, Xavier gave Emma Frost her own thing, and the only position that's yet to be named is the spot of Red Bishop, and Captain Kate Pride finds no one else better to be the Red Bishop than Bishop himself. So, he's very reluctant about it, but he's still a part of Kate's crew regardless, doesn't necessarily say yes or no on the position, but meanwhile, there's still shit that they gotta do. We've got this Zhao lady, and she is the leader of this anti-mutant rally. She's essentially the, uh, the, the, the red hood of the KKK of mutants. She's fucking evil, and she's, uh, she's putting out all this propaganda saying her husband is missing because he, uh, mutants captured her and all or captured him and all of this shit but what she doesn't know is her husband went off and joined a mutant worshiping cult so naturally and she's always known that he's kind of had an affliction for mutants but she doesn't really want to acknowledge that but she's still not totally aware that he uh he, he's been captured or uh he, he's gone off on his own to worship these mutants well that's where Kate and Bishop come in, and they find her husband, uh, I, I forget his name, but, well, shit, well, Lim, that's his name, Lim. She finds Lim, and he's, he's all whacked out, he's been brainwashed, and, yeah, uh, I mean, it's essentially a cult that he's joined. So, they show up with Lim while Zhao is at this big rally, makes her look stupid as fuck. That pisses her off, and, well, at this point, she's... She's seeking some assistance of somebody's secret, and I'm not exactly sure who that is yet, but she's she's beyond furious, and, you know, the, just the way this is all told, it's, ah, I'm a big fan of Marauders again, uh, and I kind of like the, I don't know, usually I don't like the dragging out of the, is he going to take the position, what's going on here, but it's it's kind of working well. I'm, I'm sure Hickman has this all planned out, uh, granted this is Jerry Duggan writing, but still. It's it's Hickman's universe. We all know it. Carrying on more X books, we've got Fallen Angels number four, Brian Hill, Simon Kredansky, and Frank Damata, covered by David Nakayama. So we've got Quan and the Next Twenty Three. They're after Apoth and the missing ki missing kids. Apoth is this cybernetic drug lord, and he's a big old mystery. They've yet to really see Apoth. He hasn't been revealed yet, um, despite him continuously popping up in Quannon's brain. Uh, but, well, where's Cable? Cable, he's he's held captive. Uh, Apos' little wraith creep 
Um, I don't think he has a name. He's he's got Cable captive, and he's kind of giving his villainous monologue, divulging a Pos master plan, but on purpose because he wants Cable to deliver this message to them, and it's done so telepathically. And uh, you know, Wraith does end up letting Cable go, but it's it's all part of this sick and twisted game. The big part is, the big reveal in all of this is, this is a super spoiler, uh, Quanin is actually a Poth mommy. So somehow she birthed him with ones and zeros and magic and I don't know, fucking who knows. But that's what's going on and despite Apoth being this crazy drug lord that enslaves kids to, you know, do his biddings, he claims that he just wants love. So, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a pretty book to look at. Once again, this is another one of those stories where it kind of took a dip for a second story-wise and then just pew, took right back off again. This is a big one. Uh, I mean, this I, I can't wait to see the reveal at Apoth, that's for sure. Let's keep it going. We're talking another X-book from the 18th. We're going to do X-Force, number four. Benjamin Percy, Joshua Kassara, and Dean White, covered by Dustin Weaver and Edgar Delgado. Uh, Xavier's back. Um, we didn't talk about the third issue, but he, he's back. Whatever Gene was doing with Cerebro and all that stuff, it worked. And we get another reveal with Xavier. Turns out he's the world's wealthiest man, on top of all of the other bullshit that he's been conquering along in the world. Uh, how did they become the world's wealthiest man? Well, it turns out he's pretty... He, uh, pretty good with stocks and he invented something called Xcoin which is essentially the mutant version of Bitcoin or is that what it is? Bitcoin? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a whole thing. Um, whether the, the relevance, I'm not totally sure. I think that's just another way they're explaining the fact that, you know, how he's able to influence these, uh, these other world leaders in the manner that he has. It's probably a lot more than just uh, uh, persuasion and leverage over the, the the fact that he has this drug that they want, this cure-all almost that you can only get from the Krakoan flower. But um, yeah, it turns out he has a bunch of fucking cash too. So that's obviously going to sway some some shitheads. Well, uh, the council they're congregating over this attack, and what we find out is there's this, uh, uh, the, I guess, green space? Is that what it is? They're, they're the people that were able to invade into Krakoa, and yeah, they, they just, that, they're the ones that shot Xavier in the fucking face. Well, that plan turns out to, well, you'll fuck some shit up. So we have our X-Force now, and our X-Force is uh, Wolverine, Domino, and Kid Omega. Uh, they, they go to engage this green space thing, but not before they, they, uh, <laughs> visit Forge. And Forge, he's their weapon creator, and he creates this neuro-organic neuro glove. And really what it does is essentially it creates any kind of weapon desired. You wear it on your hand, like, what it is is a green lantern ring. <laughs> Pretty much, but, you know, they can't say that. But that's that's what it does, and it creates any weapon you want, and it does everything from blasting to slamming to slicing. So there you go. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, who who's rocking this one? I forget who's wearing that glove. Is it Domino? I think Domino's wearing it. 
but well, when they go to engage green space, turns out this this place was much more of a the, the, this hideout was way more of a threat than they anticipated, and Omega and Wolverine actually get blown the fuck up. So Domino's looking back in the distance before she's ready to, you know, retreat through this portal. And yeah, well, um, Wolverine and Omega, they're, uh, you see Omega's, Kid Omega's head. And, well, Wolverine, we know he's good. He's gonna come back for sure. Well, he doesn't need Xavier for all that, but fuck, that was, uh, that was gnarly. I mean, he got halved and. This is a crazy book. It's uh, these X books just actually get better as they go along. So yeah, let's let's move into uh, Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Dennis Hallam, Scott Hepburn, Antonio Fabella, Donnie Cates, Jeff Shaw, and Matt Milla. All right, so Frankie Castle, future Frankie Castle, he's in space prison, and uh, they're they're really just kind of apparently they don't know who the fuck Frankie Castle is. They're talking all types of shit. Uh, he's how squishy he is, and he's just gonna last a couple hours, and blah blah blah. Well, doesn't take long for Frank to just fuck everything up. And uh, throughout a series of panels and pages, this the 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 space prison blows the fuck up. So years and years and years later, they find the whole wreckage and all of that, but a bunch of space pirates and. Someone picks up, well, they find this skull. And this skull belongs to, well, obviously Frankie fucking Castle. So they pick up the skull, and then boom, fire and penance stairs and all of that shit. Frank's just fucking everybody up. But there's this one pirate that's not really taken to uh, the penance stair. Frank realizes that, eh, this guy's innocent. So uh, then he also realizes that this cosmic king is after him, and he's the one that sent the pirates after Frank. So, yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch going on there. Um, but before he goes to face down this this cosmic king, he wants to go visit his wife's grave. So he's he's at his wife's grave here on our time and Earth, and well behind him is our Frankie Castle, not Cosmic Ghost Rider Frankie Castle. Uh, yeah, the Punisher. So, uh, well, fight ensues. Cosmic Ghost Riders is hitting Frank in the fucking face with chains over and over, and Frank's taking it, Punisher's taking it. You know, this is confusing. They're both Frank. So Cosmic Ghost Rider and Frank are fighting. And, yeah, Fra Frank, he's he's taking it, but at the same time he realizes that, you know, Cosmic Ghost Rider hasn't been giving him his all. And, yeah, uh, he's <laughs> he's, he's got to kind of bow down a little bit. But the reason he does say is Cosmic Ghost Rider's walking away, you know, he asks Punisher, or Punisher asks Cosmic Ghost Rider, you know, why didn't you, you, you had the chance to go back in time, how come you didn't save the family? And he, the, 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 the real gut-wrenching last line of the story is, we deserve to be punished too. So, I don't know, it's fucking deep shit, man. Um, as fun as, and as crazy as all of this was, it's it still had a deep message when it was all said and done. So, you know, kudos to Dennis Hopeless taking over uh, Donnie Cates's his character, and Cates had a part in all this too. You know, I think he was the one that wrote the the end part, to be honest. But you could tell that there was two sets of uh, creative teams in all of this. So, carrying on, let's talk Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme. I know that's not his name. 
So, Surgeon Supreme number one, Mark, Wade, Kev Walker, and Java Tataglia, uh, the Phil Noto cover. Alright, so Strange, this is this is real quick and easy of an explanation here. It's a, it's a very, it's a number one. So, what I gather out of this is this is probably going to be a 6 to 12 part series. I can't see it going on too long because, for one, they don't even give it legacy numbering. So they don't give it proper credit as a Doctor Strange title. At least in my opinion. <laughs> but, yeah, what are you going to do? So, Strange, he's working as a surgeon at McCarthy Medical Institute. And the thing is, is he doesn't allow himself to use magic in the operating room. Because when you use magic, there's consequences. And, God forbid, consequences happen when you've got a knife to someone's brain. So, yeah, crazy shit. So, he's back to being a kick-ass surgeon. But at the same time, he's still got some magic shit to fuck up as well. So, he's got two lives to live. He's off answering a call to disaster, and it's the Wrecker. And the Wrecker's there fucking everything up, and then, boom, uh, he fucks up Strange just as just as hard. And he throws Strange into a lake, and bum, 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 Strange has got a David Blaine himself out of there? I'm not sure exactly. There's probably a higher power to all of this, but that's what's happening there. Let's keep it going. I know that was a real quick one, but that's kind of how it felt like uh, for a number one. So let's let's move on to Venom number 12. I mean 21. Look at me and my dyslexia. Uh, all right, Venom number 21. This is start of the two-parter that is Venom Island. We've got Donny Cates, Mark Bagley, Andy Owens, Eric Arcianego, along with Frank Martin. I decided to go with the Clayton Crane variant cover on this one. I actually thought this was the A cover, to be honest, but it's what happens when you fucking think and assume. So, what's going on here? This, um, no, Dylan, he's not really coming around to, to the idea of Eddie being his dad on account he thought he was his big brother the whole time. He's not too keen on the, uh, the secrecy going on there. Uh, meanwhile, Eddie gets called off to Avengers Mountain. And when he does, this meeting entails, well, the Avengers saying, hey man, that was kind of kick-ass what you did. But, you know, between how awesome you were at War of the Realms and then, you know, this whole absolute carnage thing. You fucked up carnage real good, like, you want to be an Avenger? And he's very hesitant to, to answer all that. I think in the long run he's going to end up joining the Avengers, but that doesn't necessarily happen here. Because while all this conversation's going on, carnage is back in his head. And he's saying, look, dude, uh, you fucking absorbed all of us. Obviously, I'm going to be sticking around in some way, shape, or form. You may have killed my physical form, but I'm here to torment you forever, Eddie. And, uh, yeah, well, uh, Eddie decides, I'm going to go off to this island and burn carnage out of my head. And this is, um, <laughs> some shit's going to get real fucked up. I got a feeling. So, yeah, um, I, I'm, uh, Mark Bagley just killed it on this art. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely incredible. I, I don't have, I, I can't say enough great things about all of this. It was, ah, oh, fuck, man, I can't wait for this next issue. 22 is going to kill it. This Venom Island thing. And Kate's went on to say that, you know, issue 22 of Venom Island is going to be fucking the craziest thing, uh, Venom thing that he's ever written. So, that's that's crazy shit, man. That does it for Marvel. There was, uh, yeah, there was no DC books that came out on the 25th, so the DC that I'm fixing to talk about here is all from the 18th, so keep that in mind. We're going to start out with Justice League. Justice League number... 
38. Alright, so, um, this is coming towards the end of the, the Justice Jumar. We've got Scott Snyder, Jorge Jimenez, Daniel Sampier, Juan Alboron, and Alejandro Sanchez, covered by Francis Manpool. Alright, so, once again, this is a real quick and fast type of overview situation. Lux, he's fixing to face down the Justice League. It's, uh, <laughs> the Justice League knows more than Batman, Batman more than anything. We need, we need Shane, we need Hot Girl to, to come down here and, yeah, uh, we, we need to fuck some shit up. But if you've been reading this, you know that's going to be an issue. Uh, so Perpetua, she arrives down kind of behind Lex and kind of has this I'll do it myself time of, type of mentality and she's going to finish off all of the Justice League and seemingly most of just Earth once that happens but while all of that's going on up in space Shane he's he creates this this uh, connection between he and uh, uh, Lex and he kind of defeats Doom if you will and in doing so, Shane, he fuses with Apex Lex, thus bringing about, once again, Martian Manhunter. And, holy fuck, dude. Martian Manhunter's back. Apex Lex is gone. Uh, Shane is absorbed within his daddy that is Martian Manhunter. Dude, this is a <laughs> this is a gnarly second-to-last issue for Snyder's run. I can't wait to see how 39 wraps all of this up. I've been a big fan of Justice League. Um, I'm curious to see what he leaves behind for the, the next group of creators getting ready to take this over. Uh, next up, we've got Basket Full of Heads, number three, from Joe Hill. This is a Black Label Hill House comics type of situation here. We've got Joe Hill, Leah Max on the art, Dave Stewart's on the color. Stewart, sorry. Stewart. Um, Kiko Murakami on the uh, cover. So... June, our main character here, she's got this basket with this severed head in it. On account of she chopped off one of the the the, the escapees' heads that were uh, coming into the house and kidnapped her husband and all of that shit. She got one of him. Cut off his head, put it in the basket. He's still talking. She's freaking out, man. And she's in total disbelief. She thinks she's on drugs or she was slipped something, but turns out, you know, obviously that's not a thing. And the head, and he goes, uh, he's, a, he's a convict nevertheless, but he's not really, he, he's explaining, look, I was forced to break out with these guys. Now granted, these other two guys that have your husband, you know, they're, uh, they're more after you, June, but they're, it's something that, for something that your husband did. And she said, well, my husband's cool, he's a cop, and he says, nah, bitch, he's kind of a prick. He arrived early in his crime scene, found this dead body, and in this dead body, this is, you know, there's supposed to be ten grand in this backpack, and these criminals knew it. And well, uh, when they realized that, you know, your 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 boyfriend Liam was the first of the crime scene, and that money wasn't there, it was never discovered or turned in. It was probably the the first arriving officer, first responding officer. And they decided they wanted to take it out on you. But they got him first, because turns out you're way better at swinging an axe than he is. And, you know, they cut off his toes and all this other shit. And, yeah. But he's he's kind of this, uh, just basket of emotions. <laughs> and, boom. And he goes back and forth between crying and being a fuck you bitch and all this other shit. So, 
Yeah, uh, at this point, she's June seeks. She's got to seek help, so she's got to get to the sheriff, and in doing so, she needs the help. She, she's running along the road, and we get this Mr. Hamilton fella. She says, "Mr. Hamilton, Mr. Hamilton, I need your help. I need to get to the sheriff." And you know, it's raining and it's sopping wet, and you know, she doesn't want to show him this this head in a basket that's talking and shit. And so she says, "I'm gonna throw you in the trunk, talking head." And yeah, we don't want to freak anybody out, man. So she throws him in the back, and then she's kind of explaining, look, I, got, I just got to get to the sheriff. I can't tell you exactly what's going on, but it's super important. So Mr. Hamilton, he's, he, he's not totally sure what's going on here. But they, they find this, this, this block in the road because, you know, a storm took down a tree or whatever. June says, you know, let's just chop this motherfucker up and let's drag it out of the way in pieces. Guy says, okay, so he goes back to get the chain as she's chopping up the, uh, the, the the tree. And when he goes back to get the chain, the wind blows open this, the basket with the head, and she sees the or he see, uh, Hamilton sees the head in there. He takes the chain and he starts beating the shit out of June. So whether or not he's a part of all of the, I'm I'm not totally sure. I don't know if he was against her the whole time or he's just like, holy shit, this this bitch is crazy carrying around a basket full of head and yeah i want to beat her to death with a chain so that's kind of where it uh that's where it all leads off you know in this grim situation for old jim pretty fucking uh pretty gnarly if you ask me i i'm i'm digging this book so much i think this is the first title out of the 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 hill house comics line from black label and it's it continues to impress this was a strong issue for sure really digging it um, let's move on to more Black Label. This is one of my most anticipated books of the year. This year I became a massive fan of Daniel Warren Johnson on account of Murder Falcon, so when he's doing his own Black Label three-parter, uh, I'm in, even if it is a Wonder Woman title. I've never bought a Wonder Woman book with the intentions of reading it. So, uh, I, for me to be this excited about it, pretty fucking it, 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 that's big so we got wonder woman dead earth number one daniel warren johnson bringing on his wonderful co-colorist mike spicer i got the johnson cover as well so what's going on in this book is earth has been decimated after this crazy war uh, everybody's dead batman's dead and we've got these these survivors and you see them fighting off these crazy cute creatures and I believe they call it, it's pronounced Hadras or Hydras or whatever. But yeah, they're uh they're 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 they're, they're terrible. <laughs> they're fucking terrible. Well these these group of survivors, they seem to be younger, you know, uh, late teens, early twenties type of kids and yeah, they're 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 struggling with this one particular hydra and then boom, Wonder Woman shows up. She's in this crazy white space suit, but she doesn't remember a goddamn thing. So she fucks up this hydra, hydra, and um but she she has this, yeah, like I said, she doesn't remember anything. She's asking what the fuck's going on here and when she arrives, she realizes it's in the outskirts of uh um Gotham. And, you know, that's where we discover the, the corpse of Batman just chilling on the couch with, you know, fucking, yeah. Uh, you know, he's dead. <laughs> so she's she's in the Batcave, and she's going through, and she kind of takes off Batman's buckle, and she finds kind of her old uniform, because, you know, the Batcave has all all the backups of everything, and she kind of tucks an American flag in her, in her waistband, or Batman's belt buckle, I guess, at this point. And she goes off to fuck up some shit. 
And but she's being led by these survivors, and the survivors kind of betray her and end up taking them to the leader Thaden. Thaden is the 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 head of this camp, New Hope. And when Thaden meets Wonder Woman, he says, "Well, off to the pits of ending for you, woman." And you can only imagine what the pits of ending could be. Well, Wonder Woman's in there to fight for her life, but it's against this gnarly-ass mutated version of Cheetah. And Barb recognizes Wonder Woman, and, you know, it's kind of becomes a, uh, you know, let's kind of pretend to get ourselves out of here type of situation is what I gather from all that. But before their plan can really come to come to fruition, the entire arena gets attacked by this horde of Hydras. And Wonder Woman really almost single-handedly fucks all of them up, despite the fact that she can't fly and her powers are kind of weakened. She's still strong as fuck, but not as strong as she should be. But that's enough to impress the people of Camp New Hope, and, you know, Cheetah, she wants to go after Thaden, and Wonder Woman stops her and says, no, no, let's, let's kind of, let's, let's, let's maybe look for some peace, huh? And Cheetah says, oh, I, I guess... Yes, and well, Wonder Woman proposes to the people of Camp New Hope. Let's go off to uh, Themyscira. I think I'm saying that right. Themyscira, and let's let's all be a happy family there, cause this place is fucked. And there you have it. Uh, I know that there was a bunch of other Black Label books that were to talk about from DC this week. I just, uh, unfortunately, I, st- I didn't get around to them. The Black Label stuff, just because it's not canon. Um, I, I don't find it to be as much as a priority. You know, there's definitely a lot of the stuff that I really, really do want to read, but unfortunately time becomes an issue towards the end of the year, and yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you do what you gotta do. But, yeah, that, that, that does it for DC overviews. Let's move on to a couple of indies here. and start out with Kill Lock number one. This is gonna be a real quick one. Uh, essentially what's going on here, Kill Lock number one, we've got Livio Romandelli, he did the, the story, the art, and the cover. Now this is just, just as the description the previews world gave us, that I, uh, you know, read off on Polis Priorities, it's four very different criminal robots, uh, that are all linked together, and if one of them dies, they all die, and really the punishment is having to look after three other people, be, or not people, but things beyond yourself. And that's kind of the lesson to be learned from this Kill Lock situation. Uh, in, it's just an introduction of all of these characters. Now, um, as far as explaining the story, that's that's all that's going on there. Uh, you know, we get a little of this, a little of that, I'm, you know, a little bit of mystery... But the, the the thing is, is that the art, I, I love the art. The art was fucking incredible, but it was obviously meant to be enjoyed on a larger scale, at least in my opinion. It just, that's how, that's how it felt. It felt like it was a little too mushed together in 7x11 form. So maybe this is something that you want to possibly read digitally and blow it up on a TV or something. I don't know. I normally don't suggest that, but... It just, I think it would translate a lot easier. Just because a lot of the angles and shots that you see, you could tell that it's clearly the the writer also drawing. Because it would be, I find it, I would find it to be very difficult for another artist that isn't completely in the writer's head to to be able to depict these panels in the way you do. Because you really have to take a step back and 
do some calculating as to what the heck you're looking at for a second. But once you do figure out what you're looking at, it's absolutely gorgeous. So that's just the one the one thing I gotta say about Killlock. Uh, I, I did enjoy what I read though. Whether or not it stays on the pull list, I'm not totally sure. We'll see how I feel. It depends on how many books are released in those weeks. Let's talk the last overview of the week. We've got American Jesus number one. Mark Millar, Peter Gross, and Gene McGee. Uh, covered by Jordy Muir and Frank Quitley. Or, yeah. Um, so, this was a book that came out on the 18th, and I actually picked it up late. It was uh, the reason I picked this up. For one, I didn't realize Mark Millar was writing this. I try to pick up everything he does, especially on a slow week. Well, I guess this book didn't come out on a slow week. This came out on the heavy week, but regardless, um, someone did ask me what 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 to expect out of this book. You know, whether or not it was a book that was uh, sacrilegious and just making fun of religion, or it was something that you know is different but still enjoyable. And I gotta say, this is very different. I don't find them to be making fun of anything in any of this. I think this is. Uh, very true to predictions that come out of the Bible. Uh, and I don't know, everything about this is just incredibly interesting. Uh, I'm not a fan of religious-based books by any means, but when you take the premise of what if Jesus was to come about uh, in more of a modern time, then, well, shit. So, taking place, I believe, in the, the 70s, we have this teen, she's impregnated. She has a boyfriend, but they've never uh, uh, banged. And, well, when she finds out she's pregnant, she's been having, well, first off, she's been having all these really weird dreams where she gets visited by some strange angel in white and can't quite make out what the purpose of all of that is. But, uh, yeah, so she... Uh, she finds out she's pregnant. Her mom takes her in, and her mom's fucking pissed. And she says, please tell me your dad doesn't know about this. And she says, no, he doesn't. She says, okay, off to the abortion clinic. He can never find out about this. So when they go to abort Jesus, the, the abortion doctor's eyes start bleeding. He gets this crazy fucking headache, and he's unable to perform any, any, uh, any um, uh, operations. From then on. So, yeah. Now she's stuck with this baby. And she's got to deal with it. Uh, it's, 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 it's a very uh, frustrating situation for everybody. You know, the boyfriend, you know, he's he, he's understanding of it all. Just kind of like how Joseph was, I guess. Despite the fact that he's probably still a little bitch be fucking around. <laughs> um, but, yeah. No, it's, uh, it is, yeah. He, he's he's a, going along with it. Well, this angel that's been in her dreams, and for whatever reason, I can't, I, I didn't write down the character's name, but, uh, yeah, so she's visited in real life, and he explains, look, this is what's going on, the, the future, and blah, 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 there's 13 devil families, and they're sprinkled all throughout, um, time in all aspects of humanity, everywhere from the churches to the governments and all of this stuff, and everybody that you see uh, that's in positions of power and all government forms are all just actors, and the devil families are all just kind of puppeting, and yada, 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 yada. Um, and, you know, the, the start of 
the really the, the the downfall of humanity will take place when these two buildings come down and you probably don't even have to uh have me tell you what two buildings <laughs> he this angel character is talking about but she looks up and she sees the twin towers and yeah he's uh he sees that well shit this explains planes and explosions and all of that and she, this is her, you know, the end of day's prophecy, and that's what we get out of an issue number one. It's it, it, it gave me everything I needed. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah, I was, <laughs> I almost didn't read this book. I'm so glad I did. Between the the recommendation from Gomer uh, from Outright Geekery and then the inquiry that another listener and reader had uh, you know I, they asked for my opinion and i just said well shit i'll give it to them and uh I'm, I'm glad they asked for it because this book's staying on the list good old american jesus gotta love it so that wraps up the overviews let's uh let's get on to some honorable mentions but before we do so i've got to refill my coffee and i'm gonna leave you with this Hey everybody, this is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms & Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. And we're back with some honorable mentions. Now, the, the honorable mention stack was high this week. Uh... You know, this was it was the end of a lot of series and I, uh, it was the start of a lot of series and you know, a lot of black label stuff and like I said sometimes the black label stuff isn't uh, it, it isn't always a priority to me you know um, it seems it seems right up the alley of a trade negotiation segment so it's binge reading stuff because I know that's just a few issues worth of material to get a get a hold of so with all that being said let's carry on with some honorable mentions. This is the end of a Hickman story out of Image. We've got East to West, number 45. Uh, I've said this plenty of times now. This is a hugely recommended book to people that have my particular taste in comics. Uh, the thing that holds me back is I, I find that hard to believe because I'm personally not a giant fan of Hickman. Uh, it's not that I don't like his work, it's just I don't have time to absorb all that stuff. And I did go through and read the first two issues of East to West and thought, this is a lot. And, you know, but just like Hickman does, he pays off. And I can only imagine uh, how, how well issue 45 of East to West paid off. Uh, I will eventually get around to reading it. I'm probably going to give it the chew treatment that I that I did and you know tackle all of the volumes eventually just because it is so recommended to me so there you have it east to west number 45 all over from dark horse comics we've got the mask I pledge allegiance to the mask number three um this is going to be something that I binge I read the first issue and now I'm two issues behind with this number three in my hand but I'll get to it eventually it's terrifying uh, it's what if a presidential candidate got a hold of the mask. It's, it's fucking scary. Uh, Fight Club 3 
Issue number 12, this is the end of Chuck Palahniuk's third part of the, 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 the Fight Club run. Like I've said plenty of times now, when this book comes out, I read the first three issues, was incredibly lost. I have no idea what the hell's going on. None of this makes sense to me. But now that it's all said and done, I can read it all, binge it all, and go from there. Maybe it'll get a trade negotiations, but we'll see. The fact is, is now I have all the issues to be able to enjoy all at once when that time comes. From Valiant Comics, we've got more Bloodshot. Bloodshot number four. This is part one of The Long Shot. And just like all of these other Bloodshot books have been, it is Tim Seeley and Brett Booth fucking shit up. And it's it, it's awesome. Uh, bloodshots after another guy. <laughs> another person's a threat, and another person's threatened by bloodshot. There you have it. It's it's great stuff. Loving loving bloodshot. The visitor, number one. This is just a four-parter, and I decided that I wanna I wanna read all four parts at the same time. Um, I it, it's. What Paul Levitz and MJ Kim did here, uh, it, it definitely felt like a Valiant book, and my mistake could have been reading this right after reading Bloodshot, because it almost felt like it melded into it. Uh, for I don't know, maybe it was just the, the mindset I was in, but the, the, I didn't feel comfortable talking about what I read, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to binge all four issues when, when that's available, and we'll go from there. But the visitor's getting getting my money for three more issues still. I'm not dropping it. This book is pretty much the only thing being talked about all week, I feel, is incoming. Incoming number one. This was wrapping up 2019 and leading into some murder mystery that's gonna fuck shit up in 2020 and beyond, and yeah, um, this is a big, thick, heavy $10 book. I think we got 60 pages here from what it seems. Uh, spine-splitting pages. Jesus Christ, look at that. It is. It's ripping the spine off of there. Come on, Marvel. Get your shit together. Um, well, yeah, so... I, I don't know what to talk about on all this. It kind of felt like homework reading it, just because I knew that there was something to, to gain from it. And I just kept trying to find the gain thing and having a hard time enjoying it. So I'm going to give it another shot eventually. And with all that being said, I say that your best bet is to just... Type in incoming on the Google, and there's 40 different insights out there right now from all different type of sources telling you what happened in this book. Normally, I wouldn't point you in that direction, but I feel like I've told you what happened in this book throughout the entire year of podcasts. So, there you have it. And then there's something crazy that happens in the end. Oh. Uh, King Thor, number four. Um, so, I'm going to go through and... Oh, man, I didn't read issue number three because after reading one and two, once again, th this this sounds like I'm just using this ill because it's a four-parter. I'm gonna wait, cop out. No, this is a very important four-parter. This is the last issue of Thor that Jason Aaron's writing. Um, they gave it a six-dollar price. I paid six dollars for this book. Jesus Christ! It's only a twenty twenty-four pages at most. It better, I bet you it's good, though. This is, like I said, Jason Aaron has had Thor under his belt for quite some time. He's given him a hell of a run, and Donny Case is about to take him over, so I'm curious to see what he leaves him off with, because next week, on January 1st, they're right back at it. Case is up with Thor, so I'm excited. Let's see what Gore the God Butcher does, and Loki's been fucking shit up. 
I know it's going to be good. I know it is. I just want to read all four of them together because it's... Hmm. Uh, oh, I'm going to use this that same excuse again. But this one's just kind of more biased. Uh, Year of the Villain, Hell Arisen, one of four. Year of the Villain was DC's event all year. It is... They did not... Uh, literally Year of the Villain. And it turns out that the entire premise of this story was to eventually pin Apex Lex and Batman Who Laughs up against each other? That sounds fucking incredible. Uh, the thing is, is, you know, it's a year? <laughs> Come on. Uh, I, I didn't buy into this series. There's very few of the single tie-ins that I got. Granted, the one that I did get did win my one shot of the year. That John Carpenter Joker book was uh, terrifying, as it should have been. And... Fuck. But the rest of this stuff, yeah. Now, James Tinian writing it, that is kind of a... Uh, that, that, that holds me back. I'm afraid it's going to be super wordy. And I didn't have time for super wordy. And I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I am going to finish this off eventually. And it's, it's a four-parter. So I guess it will be a year when it's all said and done. If this book is monthly which DC's claiming they're doing from here on out, so we'll see. But the Batman Who Laughs is always going to draw me into a title, so there you have it. This was probably the most recommended book of the week for me, and for whatever reason, I just didn't get around to it. I think I was intimidated by the page count, and uh, yeah. Um, but Snyder and Capullo's run of Batman presumably is all over. Those two won't be writing any more Batman anymore. Or so they say. This could just be a gimmick to sell the fuck out of this book. But the book being The Batman Last Night on Earth, this is the third part of the three-part Black Label miniseries, and yeah, the first two issues were wild as shit. Uh, I really... I, most of it, I don't know what's going on. It's this completely different outside-of-the-universe situation, and... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and read my previous notes before jumping into this one, and I just didn't have time for all that, you know, it's a big oversized book, and when DC drops all of these oversized black label books on us in that manner, it makes it hard to be able to read all of this shit, and it really does, so, that's what's happening there, that's why I didn't get around to it, I'm sorry, Ken, I know that you really wanted me to talk about this book, but, um, yeah, maybe after, <laughs> after I read it, we'll get you on. Uh, so another Black Label book I didn't get around to is Harleen, book three. I think this is the last one now. Uh, these books are very, very dense, but despite all of that, fucking gorgeous to look at. Uh, in incredibly insightful. Didn't think we need all of that on Harley Quinn, but it turns out all of that stuff we didn't think we needed is still very entertaining. So, uh, Stedgepon? Sedgic? Yeah, you killed it all around, man. All around. I will get a... But, I, admittedly, I do have to read this and the last issue. I just remember after reading the first one how long it took. You know, like, almost an hour to get through, just because there was so much to digest. Um, both literally and visually. Because that art is out of this world. And then Joker, Killer Smile, Part 2. I think this is a actually a nine-parter, so this is the longest Black Label series that they're going to be doing. By no means is it super thick or dense. It is an oversized book as far as the prestige format goes. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna, it's, it's, I guess, 
the excuse is I just didn't get around to it. It's Jeff Lemire and Andre Sorrentino and Jordi Belair killing it on colors. Um, I'm excited for it. I, I, I love Jeff Lemire. <laughs> and the, the first issue was pretty incredible. It was pretty incredible. I just got to go through and revisit my notes again and get through all of that. So that wraps up the honorable mentions. Normally I jump in the wall books, but because there were so few wall books, there were no wall books on the 25th, and I talked about a, a, an abundance of them on the 18th. Um, yeah, that segment does not exist this week, so I'm just going to carry right into my, uh, my, my most recommended acknowledgments of the week. Top acknowledgments, top picks, if you will, I don't know. And the segment doesn't have a fucking name. But this is the shit that I really just feel it, it deserves the most praise. So I want to start out with covers. I'll, um, because there was, it was not a wall book week... Uh, it was the, all of the covers had trade dress on them, so it's naturally it's going to kind of take away from a lot of the art. But the one that I feel really did the best was the Harleen, because the way they did the trade dress along the spine, it doesn't take away from any of the art at all, and because it's a prestige format book, it just it just worked really well. And I'm I'm a sucker for for Poison Ivy on there, and then you see oh man, Killer Croc and Two Face and it's just it's just beautiful. I love it. So that's my cover of the week for sure. So Stegepon Sejic, probably saying the name wrong, but deal with that. Um, Guts, the interiors of the week. This one, this wasn't hard for me at all. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is back in comics and doing big two work. And <laughs> he draws the fuck out of some, some Wonder Woman. That's for damn sure. And the way he draws a dead Batman, draws a dead Batman like no one draws a dead Batman. It's just this, he, he knows how to do destruction. This was the most metal book that DC came out with all year. And uh, it's, it's, it's so fucking rock and roll, man. And I, I love it. I'm not a Wonder Woman fan, but I like this book. And it's for, yeah, mostly because of the way she's drawn. She's, she's just uh, so badass. So that uh, yeah, Daniel Warren Johnson. Obviously, if you're a listener or a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that that's it's probably going to be my pick regardless. Uh, now, as far as my my overall recommended story of the week, it goes to the book that I almost didn't read, and that's American Jesus number one. The book was just amazing on all levels, and <laughs> um, even for somebody that's not religious by any means, but still knowledgeable to the Christian religion. This is a, this is neato stuff, to put it lightly. By no means is it blasphemous. I don't find it to be blasphemous. I don't find it to be making fun of anything. It's just a, a, a what if Jesus story, and I'll be damned. <laughs> but um, so that that wraps it all up, y'all. That does it. That has been a podcast. Uh, I hope. You have enjoyed your books in 2019. This is the last episode of the year, and it will be airing New Year's Eve. So, yes, it's been a fun year. 2019 has been kick-ass, Slurds. Um, that, that does it. I would like to remind you that you can support this podcast and help propel everything about this show. 
from uh, quality to equipment to uh, content to talk about mm, abundance of content, yes, you could do so by becoming a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash cheers to comics. And through there, you'll find that for as little as a dollar and tiers ranging on up, depending on your uh, level of slurred army loyalty, you support this podcast. And I appreciate all of the support in every way, shape, or form. Um, You can also go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Those five-star reviews really help uh, propel the show and ranks and discoverability. And, uh, yeah, and even if you do have something to critique or criticize, leave it within a five-star review, and I'll read it aloud, and I'll acknowledge you. I will. I'll acknowledge all of those reviews, and um, I I really do appreciate you taking the time to do so. Sometimes time's harder to find than dollars. I get that. Um, So, yes, please support this podcast. Uh, I would also like to shout out NSC Live TV once again. No Signal Comics, baby, the best in auction action. We are proud to announce our 74th and now 75th channels to the station. And I'm proud to say they are some indie creators, some indie comic book creators. The first being Bradley Golden. This dude kills it on some horror indies. I know I've been supporting some Kickstarters of his, and I have a feeling that we're going to be chatting it up with him on the podcast soon. And also, the Sean Mullen. We all know Sean Mullen from The Wolf and Me. If you've been listening way back at the beginning of this podcast, Sean's the man. He was the first Creator Corner that we did. He kicked off the Creator Corner segments, and this dude has been setting comics on fire like I had predicted. I am not a stupid man. Um, but I, I, I do know a workhorse when I see one, and between Bradley Golden and Sean Mullen, bam, NSC Live TV welcomes you. And congratulations to NSC Live TV themselves for, you know, creating 75 channels. That's fucking huge, man. That's big. That's super awesome. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, thank you, 143 Podcast Network. You are the shit as well. And all of the new listeners that came with the that move. Uh, oh, so overwhelming. I hope that you, you take the time to, to jump on Patreon, enjoy the slurred army, and uh, yeah, drop those reviews. So that does it. It's been a podcast. You slurds, read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. Well, hello, slurds. I've got a little announcement for you. The Cheers to Comics podcast is now proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. And what is NSCLiveTV.com? I'll tell you. It is an all-around comic book channel. You go to this website nsclivetv.com and you're going to be given all of these options and different channels uh for instance the cheers to comics podcast i believe is channel 34 so yes there's there ah, we're one of the first podcasts on there but uh as far as other comic book needs everything from live auctions to uh other distributors and i mean it is an all-around comic book website for collectors and enthusiasts and readers alike so 
once again, Cheers to Comics is super stoked to be affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com, and I, I think you should check it. I don't think. I don't think. I know you should go check it out. Uh, links are all in the description, but yeah, it's easy. NSCLiveTV.com. Your home for the best in auction action.